Thank you so much, church. Grab a seat. Really awesome to be here with you. Good crash. Loved it. Wow. Thank you, Counselor. Charmaine, congratulations. That is so good. I'm looking in the general direction. Who's Charmaine? Oh, the well done. Give her a hand again. That's great. Really good, really good. Wow, so much going on. Nancy, I felt like doing an altar call after your announcements. My gosh. So good. Um, <clears throat> really appreciate the invite to be out here with you guys. Sam, just love what you're doing. I love the boldness that it takes to step out and stand up in the community. And um, I'm actually just feeling led to, to pray about this next week, the elections and whatnot. I believe there's a couple of other people running and standing from this one church community. And I just love to cover that in prayer if we can start that way. Lord, we just thank you so much. Uh, why shouldn't your children represent the people? A voice of reason, of common sense, Lord. Let there be peace surrounding everyone who votes, everyone in this region. Peace and wisdom for Sam and everyone else who's running in their families. Wisdom for them to be able to guard their hearts this week and moving forward. We just pray for your very, very best for all these communities. And I would ask for incredible wisdom for all of those people who are your children who are running in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well done. It's amazing. Gunther's so incredible. I remember I'd been a Christian maybe, uh, maybe between two and three years. I was relatively new and um, I wouldn't have dealt with the topic then as I do now. But I remember walking into my first ever conversation about women preaching. I was like, whoa, what's happening here? Some people have got some opinions. Whoa. And I just listened for a while and I said, have you ever heard Carolina speak? Uh, just amazing. And that was obviously that women should be able to preach. <laughs> it did stop the argument in that, in that direction. But it's awesome. And what a great heritage you have here. You know, what an incredible heritage. Like, it's such a privilege to be, to be asked to speak to anyone. To be invited to speak to your neighbor is a privilege. That's, that's step one. But, but to be invited to come and speak in this place to you is an incredible honor because every time I hear Redcliffe come up, the incredible heritage that goes before you is so rich, so rich in faith, so rich in, in prophetic vision and being a voice for this region. So just incredible. And um, the topic that we're in is, is the gospel. So that's kind of a, preacher, a preacher's dream, really. You know, we would like you to speak about the gospel. Just in case you, you aren't aware, the gospel literally translates and means the good news. That's, that's what it means, the good news. So um, when you're asked to, to preach the gospel as a preacher, you're kind of without excuse. Has to be pretty good. Let's pray before we start. Lord, I just thank you so much. Uh, we've got time for you this morning. We've all made time, like Nancy said. We've invested some time because we're here to just say thank you and honor you. But I know that you're a God who continues to hear and continues to speak. And I would ask that every ear get an appetite to hear from you this morning. And Lord, that whether it's through my words, because of my words, or in spite of my words, whatever you've got to do, speak to every single one of us a word in season today in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So, the gospel. It's unchanging. It's the same before you were born. It's the same when you were born. It's the same when you were born again. It's the same after our season here on earth. It never changes, you know. 
we have a creator, a God who isn't just remotely aware of us. That would be amazing. That'd be good news. I'm finished. In this season that we live in of exaggeration and hyperbole, of which I'm guilty, um, you know, if anything exists, it's great. You know, and as soon as something is a little bit good, it's awesome. The gospel is the good news. It's the biggest understatement in history. It puts everything else in its place. It is the good news that surpasses all other good news. Everything else is flatlined compared to this news. And as Christians, we, we can become immune to the fact that the gospel is inside of us and it's not inside everyone. And that's horrifying to me when I'm faced with that reality, but sometimes, you know, I'm doing the groceries and I'm busy. You know? So I guess today we, we'll try to talk into that perspective a little bit. We'll get a bit of a hunger about the gospel and the power and the truth that it is. Now, God not only is aware that you exist, He made you, He loves you. He loves you so much and cares about you so much that He wasn't prepared to let you suffer. He sent His Son. Jesus didn't cling to heaven, didn't say, no, heaven's really good. It is. It is. He said, I'll leave. I'll leave to save, to change for the good news. This is really good news. He came. He came. He wasn't delivered in a modern Western hospital. He came into the Middle East in ancient times in an animal shelter. He came in those conditions. And despite being tempted personally more than any other person in history, He lived, in spite of that, he lived the only ever sin-free life. Completely free of sin, despite greater temptation than you and I would ever have to bear. Completely sin-free. And as a reward for that, and telling us the truth, our comfort zones started to vibrate. Because the truth that he shared challenged us. And it challenged us in a good way for our betterment, but because of temporal thinking. And thinking just in the here and just in the now, we didn't like it, so we responded. And as a reward for everything that he did, we cruelly hung him, nailed him to a cross, and watched him die. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus knew this was going to happen. In that moment or in the moments leading up to you, Satan, your enemy, who hates you, was so relieved. He was stoked because the message of truth that Jesus was sharing was making it so much harder for him to be busy stealing, killing and destroying from the people of the time. And if those people would have just listened to Jesus and done what he said, applied it, rather than challenge it or defend themselves or defend their their comfort zone and just said, you know what, I will follow you and listen to you and I will apply the truth that you're speaking to me. If they did that, they would be so much freer. That ticked the devil off. He was really upset. So when he saw Jesus going to the cross, that was the culmination of the enemy's plan and he was relieved. Little did he know that it wasn't the end of God's plan. Because of the sin that lies inside of us, we'd been separated from God. 
and we'd been throwing sacrifices back at God. Those that wanted to draw near to God, we'd have to throw sacrifices back to Him to have a minute in His presence, an hour of being okay, or a week, or a year. Because imperfect sacrifices run out. They expire. But as soon as Jesus gave up His last breath, the sky went dark, and the earth shook. And God's plan became evident to the devil. And from that moment on, he's been filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Because instead of temporary sacrifices, a perfect, the only ever perfect life, who came in perfection, lived in perfection, and then gave up his life in perfection, had in fact been sacrificed so that your sins can be separated from you, and a veil in that moment was torn because it was no longer necessary. Because your sins can now be taken out of you, so there need be no barrier any longer between you and God. Never since then, the devil, the Satan has asked to implement another layer in his plan to try to get you to convinced, get you convinced that you have to be separate from God. And that's a lie. That's just some of the good news. And today, we can just live with temporal thinking, much like the people before Jesus came. Just thinking that God's out there, or God's on Sunday, or God's in my time that I set aside for Him in the morning. But God... There's so much more than that. He paid such a huge price that we can be free for eternity. You know, in eternity, you get the full food and beverage service too. Like the food is good. The drink's good. I know that. There's a room made for you. There's mansions, streets, gold. It's incredible, as opposed to an eternity absent from God, Jesus made a way. There's repercussions in this life for freedom. The gospel keeps singing. God keeps speaking. And as we accept and apply the truth that he gives us, we walk in a greater level of freedom. We're born again when we hear and believe that gospel. But we walk in a greater and greater freedom the more we hear and activate and apply that truth. This is why you need to listen to things in the black book because you'll see more how the kingdom works and there'll be one truth for you and a truth for you and a truth for you and, and there'll be transformation. And as a community, we'll become more free. As individuals, we become more free. And we will no longer be burdened and deceived into thinking that we need to be yoked by this age and by the social norms that we're supposed to be free from. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, He loved you, that He gave His one and only Son, so that anyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. There's a couple of verbs in this statement. It's easy to read them as though they're not verbs, but it's incredibly important it's more important than breakfast, the most important meal of the day. It's more important than if you did your homework in grade seven. It's more important than you get anywhere that you need to be on time. It's more important than anything else in your life. In fact, if you were to put it on a scale from zero to infinity, everything else I'd submit to you pales down to zero. And this is infinity. When you've dealt with this, everything else begins to come alive on the scale. 
That is two words up here, love and believe. God didn't love in theory. He didn't say, gee, I love them. Oh, well. He didn't say, gee, I love them, that's cool, but I'm pretty busy today. The fact is, he saw the need for love. And everything in the Bible is the story of him running after you and meeting us. I love the words of that song, meeting us more than halfway. He did everything. Everything I told you about the good news that most of you already knew, that was God doing. Believe. That's not a passive verb. It's active. I can speak to this because all my life I believed that Jesus was real. But in 2002, in August, I sat in an auditorium a lot like this, and that belief switched to an active belief. A belief. Now, that belief didn't mean that I could do everything all at once. It didn't mean that there was an overwhelming barrage of things that I had to do in that moment. It was just simply that I was going to do something as a result of the belief. That's the belief unto salvation. That one word there, I think we've got a, what it means in the Greek as well. Yeah, the next, pisteu, my Greek pronunciation is horrible. Someone here knows how to say that better than me. That's the most important <laughs> word in history. Everything, our life. Do you pisteu? <laughs> it's active. It's put your trust in. It's lean upon. It's I will make my decisions in spite of circumstances saying one thing, I know you say something else. It does not make sense in, this, in, in the age of the community that we live in to, to give when God calls you to give. But when God calls you to give, it's for your benefit and for the benefit of the kingdom. And there's a greater good that's perpetuating and a snowball is gathering and building inside. And it doesn't matter that a lot of people can't see that snowball. It's real and you know it to be true, so you give. That's the kind of belief in salvation. It's, it's the awkwardness of a conversation that you just know you have to do. It's the, the fear of man that used to grasp your heart and make you fearful or terrified. And you're saying, in this moment, I know that God says this is the right thing to do. And I will make that phone call. Or I will walk across the room. Or I will go say hello to my neighbor. Or I will say sorry to my friend. Because God cares about people. And it's that belief coming to life. That means that everything God did for you in loving you applies in your life. And that is good news. It's better than anything I've called awesome this morning. It's so much just letting God do for you what He's already done. It's just allowing Him to by listening and loving and appreciating. The enemy will always try to make it harder. He will always convolute. He will always try to confuse, perpetuate, manipulate. It's always with God. Simply listening, being open, humble. In my experience, every revelation, every conviction is a, is a beautiful, simple pinprick. I know what the right thing to do is. The enemy always says there's a, there's a thousand things to do. You have to do them all. It's too hard. Just give up. If he can't hide the kingdom from you, he'll tell you that you have to do the whole kingdom so that you give up. It's good news for you this morning. It's good news. God loves you. What he calls you to do, he will empower you to do every time. 
really good news, eh? <laughs> um, God provides. Let's get some context here. I've got a little, I think it's like a, an equation here. In our lives, as Christians, let's, let's try to simplify everything. And God made people and they're the object of his affection. Um, he loves me more than he loves the issues of my life. He's concerned about the issues of my life because he principally is concerned for me. He's concerned for you. He's also concerned for the issues in your life. But the main thing is he's looking at an eternal perspective. He's looking at a kingdom. And because he cares for everyone and he loves people and he wants us to grow. And the truth is that no discipline seems pleasant at the time. But on the other side of discipline, we can have more righteousness in our, in our lives. We can have more truth. We can be bigger and we can grow. And because we live in a fallen world, sometimes everyone's story isn't perfect. Stuff happens. In fact, Jesus promised, guaranteed that in this life you'll have trouble. But equally, he promised and guaranteed that in this life you will have him. That's the Christian truth in this life. Because so often the world looks at the Christian life and they go, well, how come you've still got problems? How come you still argue? How come not every Christian has the same unanimous answer for everything? How come sometimes they look confused? How come sometimes they look weak? Because everything that they're viewing is viewed with the goggles of the world on. And some, as Christians, we don't have the, the truth perfectly outworking in all of our lives because we're working through issues ourselves. But Jesus is with us as we're working through them. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's your counselor. He's your comforter. Jesus said, it's going to be better for you that I go. If he said that to you this morning, Gideon, you would go, you are out of your mind. It is better for me that you stay. But it is better for you that he went because now you can have the Holy Spirit inside you. God who made the universe, who has in fact the universe in the palm of his hand, will live inside you if you would ever care to consult him that he can lead you and guide you, not just into the best life for you, but the most influential life for the kingdom. So that in eternity, when we're king back on our deck chairs, we can go for a stroll on the golden roads and say how awesome God is and how much more he knew than we knew. And that's why we went through that. And with our goggles of temporary life taken off, we'll just see the goodness of God so much more obviously and overtly. He made people. He loves people. He wants and values the truth getting into people's hearts. That's the good news and the transformative power of the Word of God. That's what God values. I feel very safe before God and before you all saying, really, a lot of other things don't matter as much to God than people and the truth. What we bring to the equation is, I know this because of the Bible, without faith it is impossible to please who? Wow. So, our faith being outworked, who faith, the active faith, the faith that says I'm making my decisions because of my faith, matters to God. It's valuable to Him. And the other thing that matters is love. In Galatians, I love this scripture so much. It says, the only thing that counts. I don't know about you, that gets my attention. I go, oh my gosh, I've been reading this Bible for a while now. Why didn't I start here? <laughs> Come on, the only thing, we know there are weightier matters in the Bible. 
And there's a part of the Bible that says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself as love. Okay, so what's that mean? That means I believe in God and now I'm going to turn that faith into my love for this person in this moment. That's all it is. Transferring the faith that you have in your heart to love for people and the truth. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. That's, this, that's simply what it is to be a Christian. God made people, loves them, loves the truth knows that it's best for all of us, that that truth perpetuates, gets inside my heart, gets inside your heart, gets inside someone else's heart. Isn't that great news when the truth gets inside someone's heart? Isn't it awesome when you're reading the Bible and it comes to life and you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to change the way I do today because of this. I have peace where I used to have turmoil. I have conviction where I used to have confusion. I feel okay with my relationship with God now, whereas before I felt guilty. And I didn't even know I was guilty. But now that I don't have that guilt because it's been removed, because I've seen some truth, I realize how bad it is to be guilty. All these examples become your story. You know, the gospel is always told according to someone. It's like a diamond. I can describe the same diamond. It's the same diamond as Pastor Carolina can describe a diamond as Judith, who I, Judy, who I met this morning, can describe a diamond. It's the same diamond, but diamonds have facets. See, and this is not new. The gospel according to Matthew. The gospel according to Mark. The gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to John. The gospel according to Jake. The gospel according to you. And our job is just to bring that truth back to life. And for most of us, it's like looking over a great chasm and going, this is how you do that. A person gets up with a microphone and says, okay, now let me tell you. And we come to class and we sit down and we go, this is my time of speaking about and listening to the truth. Um, <clears throat> but as you know, we need to get better at being beacons of the truth everywhere we go. And that's the truth that we need to carry. This is us rallying one another, supporting one another. You know, as you know, with Sam and Kay here, it's, it's leadership, it's being an influencer. Our vision statement is so that when we go out of here, we don't, you know, pull the little cord and our light goes off. This is just to get the light bright, polish it up, get out there so we can shine brighter. How do we do that though without this? If this is what we see, if this is what we model, you know, this is how you tell the truth and you preach it directly from the Word of God to people. It can be a really big chasm for a lot of us to practically outwork. And so, to be honest, for a lot of us, it becomes discouraging. Because I didn't stand up in front of a micro with a microphone in front of people today and speak for 40 minutes or 20 minutes. But the wind is in seed. You can never shove a tree down someone's throat. It is difficult to put a plant in someone's ear. But seeds are sneaky. And it's seed. Because I can never truly convince someone, I can only provide seed and fuel that the Holy Spirit brings to life in their heart. I feel like seeing it that way is a lot more encouraging and not having to tell whole stories all of the time for that to be a win and for you to be a good Christian that day. No, you carry it around in your heart. You just got to look for ways to get the seed out there. And that's what I think today's about. 
uh, looking for ways to get that seed out there. Let's move to the next scripture from Revelation. Now, this is awesome. This is John from a long time ago, you know, a couple of thousand years ago. He's on an island all by himself. That's sometimes what I need to do to be able to, you know, really relax and hear from God properly sometimes. Like, turn the TV off. Good, good start, Jake. Pat Moss, by himself, gets a vision. About 2,000 years ago, let's just say 2,000, because that's easier. 2,000 years ago, he gets a vision of the future. Not just the future for him, the future for us. And he sees you. And you're they. That's you. Seen from the future, looking at your life. In the past. This is the picture God wants to give John for you to read about. They overcame, they, you, overcame him, Satan, and his plans for your life. And he really wants you to know how you did it. It's very important to God that you know how, from a future perspective, looking back on your life, you have the best life. Did did Jesus come to give you life or abundant life? Abundant life. God God went to the trouble of going to John and showing him a picture of your future to tell you how you get the abundant life that Jesus has partially paid for or fully paid for. Fully paid for. He wants you to know this. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. When I first read that, I thought, yeah, that's how we overcome because Jesus said it is finished. But then I read something that really challenged my understanding. It said, and. And I didn't like, my comfort zone was challenged because my understanding of the gospel was challenged because I thought Jesus said it's finished. And in fact, Jesus did say it's finished when he hung on that cross. Just like if I put $2 in the hand of my daughter to go buy an ice cream, and then I can say, there you go, it's finished. All she's got to do is walk to the counter and give someone that $2. Jesus is finished. The the blood is there. The price has been paid. You have access to it. It doesn't say or. It doesn't say that, it doesn't say that these two, each of them on their own can do it. It says and. It really challenged my belief that all I had to do was just Jesus did it and now I can do nothing. To have the abundance of life. To be able at the end of your days walk up and Jesus, you're talking with Jesus and he said, look, you overcame. You were an overcomer. In the book of Revelation, there are a lot of references to the word overcomers. To him who overcame, I gave. We want, trust me, friend. You don't want to escape as one, you know, get, get in as one escaping the flames. You want to get in as an overcomer. Your life today is better if you're an overcomer. Your life this week is better if you're an overcomer. You have more influence on others in this life if you're an overcomer. And you have greater rewards in heaven if you're an overcomer. It's worth becoming an overcomer. This is how you do it. Jesus, blood, and. There's my build-up. I feel like I've done sufficient (laughs) build-up. The word of your testimony. Now, this is something that's worth, worth practicing. It's worth it. If you've got to practice, practice. In fact, I would encourage you to practice. 
What this might look like is just going home and go, well, what's something I'm grateful for? What's something God's done in my life? Start there and write it down and go, okay, let's just say, for me, I, I, I've got many stories that can bubble out of me at any given time with very minimal prompt. <laughs> God help you. <laughs> but you know, I'm not really good in conversation about going, hey, do you know that, that God really loves you and, 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 and preaching the same way I just preached to you, the good news? I am not good at that at all. But last Friday, I was just coming back. It was the last day of my cruise with my wife. And I was, oh my, the world had gotten so much better. And we were sitting with the two, um, I'm going to say middle-aged, but I think, like I'm 42. That's middle-aged, yeah? Is that right? Am I a middle-aged man? Thank you. Excellent. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to stop categorizing myself for a while. These ladies were older than me. And we had dinner with them every night. And just in conversation, we're just having conversation. But um, we, we'd had a few dinners with each other. So, you know, we were getting to story time. And um, it wasn't anything else that I tried to scatter. It was one phrase. I became a Christian. That's what got her. Wasn't anything else in my story. It was just a simple, you know, I did this. I owned a nightclub. Um, then in 2002, I got saved. We sold the nightclub, and then I got into real estate. And then in 2006, I became a pastor. And she was like, "What? Whoa! What do you mean you became a Christian?" And I was like, "Well." What, what's your background? What do you understand to be a Christian? And she would, well, I grew up in a Christian home. I don't go to church or anything, but I grew up in a Christian home. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's happening. It's happening. Watch out, old lady. Buckle up. I didn't have to do much. I didn't do what I just did for you. And I saw a couple of the other ladies vibrating with joy. <laughs> Tell her. Oh, yeah. I thought, oh, that lady's church group is going to be praying for this lady. <laughs> Woo! And we're all working together. All of a sudden, I didn't know they were Christians, but I could see two straight away. <laughs> so all of us wanted to do this. And it wasn't even my effort. It was just finding ways to scatter some seed. I got saved in 2002 in August, as I've told you before, because in 1991, the school captain, my friend Bradley Warner of Cooperoo Secondary College, said, not to me, but almost mumbling to himself, with me in earshot, I've been a Christian all my life, but it's time I got serious. He would never remember saying that. I don't know if he knew I was there. But in 2003, and if my arithmetic is correct, that is 12 years later, having never thought about that line since, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Was Bradley around? Absolutely not. Because that's exactly what I needed. Because I had, I'd known Jesus was real, but my faith had been passive. It wasn't a belief to say, it wasn't a... I was doing nothing with it. I guess, well, I guess Jesus is real because that's what I've said, but it became, Jesus became my Lord in that moment. And the action that I did was not 
my whole life changing, but my whole life began to change. I owned a nightclub and I, I it was lunchtime and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to, and I snuck off to the Christian bookshop in the city on Elizabeth Street and I bought the fattest Bible, the Life Application Study Bible. And I walked back to the nightclub and I put it in my car and I walked up the stairs, turned around and walked back down the stairs and opened up my car and put the Bible under my seat, <laughs> closed the car and walked back up. Walking up the stairs. Then the Wednesday came and the guy that I met on Sunday who'd invited me around to his house. Uh, I drove to their house, a Balimba, and, um, and I pulled up out the front. And in the same way as the Sunday night before, I just thought to myself, you're going to go down the front at the end of this service. In exactly the same way, I asked myself, are you really going to go in there with all those Fruit Loops? Which made me laugh because I was a prolific swearer prior to the Sunday and I hadn't sworn once since. So when I thought to myself, Fruit Loops, that made me laugh because that was exclusively cereal prior to that Wednesday. <laughs> and the same thought in my heart that said at the end of this service you're going to go up on the Sunday on the Wednesday in response to my fruit loop question said if you don't go in you're dead that was the truth for me I, I never used to tell people that because I thought it was a bit confronting but that, that was real for me he was saving my life so I went in obviously <laughs> and uh, I just began to learn and a lot of what I learnt was not even what I was deliberately being taught. It was how people interacted. I remember I had come from a place where, where I would stand at the end of one of the bars and I'd just look and I'd gather whoever was handy around and I'd be able to immediately ascertain who the socially strong people were and who the social weakling was. Then I'd begin to ply, I'd create a little social group, ply everyone with alcohol, chartreuse was my... Um, liquor of choice and then I begin giving everyone else cordial and the social weakling chartreuse until they were drunk and we could all make fun of them um, that was my life that was how I had fun great guy and then I went into this life group and I saw someone who was physically and mentally disabled and I immediately saw the strong social people in that group serving them making room for them inviting them in no one knew I was learning that but that was the perfect house for me to be in, to begin to learn how much I had feared the opinion of man in my life. And now I know that I was a slave to the opinion of the people in the room. And God set me free. No person knew that about me, but God knew it. He knew that I needed to be in that house and he saved me. God knows what people need. I thank Brad Warner for chucking seed out. I thank the Holy Spirit for bringing that seed to life despite me not even looking for it. And I'm thankful that now I have a story like I just told you that I was able to share at a table on the Voyager of the Seas last Friday because I was asked to tell it because of one little thing became a Christian and what that means and how different that is to just growing up in a Christian home. And those two ladies were vibrating in their seats. We'll be praying for you. Yeah, we can be in touch. We'll be in. They live in the same city through no great effort of my own other than just being ready with the story be ready with the gospel according to people will argue with what you say from the bible though i'm not saying don't speak the bible but we overcome by the word of your testimony the god what's god done for you can you tell someone what god has done for you can you begin with one facet 
and then work on another and work on another. And pretty soon, very rapidly, you become incredibly dangerous to the plans of the enemy. And you begin to live an incredibly, incredibly overcoming life. Last scripture, just before I close and pray with you, is um, from Romans. Thanks so much for running those slides for me. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Challenge that word preaching. My most effective preaching this week was probably became a Christian in a conversation at a table. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, sent sovereignly by God as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And I just want to pray for everyone here that we have beautiful feet. We find our beautiful feet. We scrub them up. Polish them up. Be ready in your going to have your testimony ready to bubble out of you. Before I do pray that way, I, I, I feel that I should pray, uh, offer for anyone who, like me in 2002, knew that that was my day to go to an active belief and an active following Jesus. And I actually like to ask everyone if their um, eyes can be closed and their heads bowed at this time. I just, because I, I want to speak as best I can right now just to individuals, you individually, and individuals in the room. And I just say, I just very quickly would like to give an opportunity for you to have that moment of repentance, of changing mind, changing heart, and following after Jesus. Is there anyone in this room that would like to make that decision today? Maybe first time? Or maybe you've strayed so far that things have gotten haywire and you just want to reconfirm that you're going to follow Jesus from today. Okay. Thank you, sir. Look at you. Thank you. Peace. All right. Great peace over every heart here, and particularly, sir. I'd love to have a quick chat after the service if you would like to. I'll hang around here looking very obvious for a while. And Lord, for that gentleman that raised his hand, know him, meet him. Weave an incredible story in his life. We thank you for him. Let him really notice your love in a tangible way right now today. And for all of us, Lord, I'm so grateful that you did what you did so that we can have freedom. And I pray that all of us here would be people with beautiful feet. <laughs> Let us be those people. How beautiful are the feet. Remind us that we have a good news story. Remind us that we have facets on a diamond of the gospel that is the good news, that is relevant to the people in our world. That people are suffering with anxiety and we've, we've come through it so we can tell what you did in that. that. That we've struggled with finance, but you got us through. So we've got the good news from a finance perspective that can just be bubbling out of us as soon as you prompt us to. Let us see the good that you've done right now, Lord, in our lives. Let us see. Give us words. Remind us of the good that you've done. And Lord, help us to be prepared to share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.